maybe, yeah. Uh, I think it's been pretty great, at least around here. We've spent the last few months talking about dying to our rights. And it's been really cool because we've had the opportunity to hand so many things over to the Lord. Like, things that I didn't even realize I might have been holding on to, right? Like, Andrew at the beginning of the semester talked about exchanging our dreams for God's truth. Like, that was fantastic. And Scoggins reminded us we have to die to our right of acceptance. Mm -hmm. And then a few weeks ago, Richard preached an awesome sermon about dying to our right to quit. And it was... Fantastic. He even like pretended to be sick so that he could like really drive the point home, right? <laughs> um, no, just but we've all done these things because we want to honor God with our lives, yeah. right? Like right. we want to be worthy vessels for him in his kingdom, and hopefully you've also been able to experience the joy and freedom uh, that's found in surrendering these things to yeah. the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like what do we do now after we die to everything? Like, what does life with Jesus look like after we've handed everything over to the Lord? And do we ever get to a point where we're done dying to things? I would say, no, we don't ever get to that point. Because tonight we're going to talk about dying to our right to be dead. Yeah. Yeah. And our goal is not a destination or a finish line. Our goal is a person, and that person is Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I grew up like in a church environment where doing the right thing was evidence that you were a good Christian. Mm. And there's like maybe some way to that. Like we want to make good choices and whatever, right? Yeah. But yeah. the issue with that was that my relationship with God was more about checking off a list of daily tasks than it was about genuinely seeking the Lord and giving my heart to him. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. this is the way that I had been treating God and living my life when I started high school. And so when the pressures and temptations that come in high school began to, you know, come my way, I really didn't have any reason to say no to them mm. because if my relationship with the Lord was just performing tasks, then it was totally possible for me to say a quick prayer in the morning and then go drink with my friends that very same night and not feel any different about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, we have our list of good Christian things that we do, right? Like, we can read our Bibles and pray every day and go to church in small groups sometimes and, like, hold the door open for people, whatever. <laughs> These are all things that can be good. Yeah. But I think some of you might be finding out that those things alone are not fulfilling. Yeah. I had become so frustrated, like, to the point where I was ready to leave God behind because I was trying to find fulfillment by living a certain way, and it wasn't working. Like, the opposite of that was happening. I had actually never felt so, like, purposeless in my life than those few years. And this was because my goal was just a destination, Mm. right? Like, I wanted to be good enough to not disappoint God, and I wanted to be good enough to make it into heaven, but that just doesn't work. Yeah. And so if that doesn't work, then what does? (laughs) Yeah. Um, We'd be really wise to look to Jesus to see how he lived his life so that we can answer that question. Mm -hmm. And Luke 19.10 puts it super simply. Why did Jesus come to earth? Well, he came to earth to seek and save the lost, right? And the only way he could do this was by being in constant relationship with his father. And we're going to look at that tonight. And what we're going to see is that all throughout Jesus' life is that salvation is a restored and redeemed Ongoing, genuine friendship with God. Yeah, that's good. 
We see that everywhere. Salvation is a restored and redeemed, ongoing, genuine friendship yeah. with God. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to pay close attention to the word right in the middle. Uh, we're going to talk about ongoing relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the end of the spring semester, which means everyone here has been out of high school for at least one year-ish, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think now it's fair to say that like high school friendships after high school are just weird a little bit, right? Yeah. Like you go from seeing each other every day to barely seeing each other at all and like you're changing and you don't talk to each other. I don't know. It was weird for me to navigate and I had two older friends in high school and like after they graduated, we would always try to hang out when they would come home for the weekends yeah. and we would go to McDonald's and like get this huge tray of chicken nuggets and like spend <laughs> hours talking to each other and updating uh, each other on our lives. And yeah, yeah. I really loved that time with them. Like I loved those friends and being with them. And I would think that it was so cool that we would be able to talk for, or sorry, not talk for like weeks or months. Yeah. And then once we got to McDonald's, we pick up right where we left off. Like no time to pass at all. And I thought that that was what made us such good friends, mm. that we were able to do that. Mm. But as time went on, we got together less and less frequently, yeah. and all of a sudden they were changing their majors and getting new jobs and graduating college, and all this stuff was happening yeah. without me knowing. <laughs> and like looking back on that, that was kind of hurtful for me, <laughs> because I thought that we were friends, yeah. and the friendship that we had when we were together seemed real. Yeah. 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 Like when we were sitting at McDonald's and shoving chicken nuggets <laughs> in our face, we were best friends. Yeah, yeah. But what was happening was as soon as we got home and like resumed normal life and the feeling of being in each other's presence had worn off, yeah. we didn't talk to each other yeah. until we just so happened to be in town again and our schedules were free. Mm. And our friendship at its core was only proximity. Wow. The difficult thing about that is that sometimes this is the relationship that we try to have with Jesus. Uh, yeah. We reduce him in some way, whether it be a place, a friend group, a time of day, mm. and whenever that thing or the feeling of that thing wears off, mm. our relationship with God is virtually non-existent oh. until the next time we encounter whatever it is that uh, makes us feel closer to God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's not real relationship yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But like, why not? Well, why wasn't the relationship that I had with my friends real? Yeah. First of all, real relationship must be intentional. Yeah. 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 Real relationship must be intentional. That's good. My friends and I only hung out if it was convenient to us. Yeah. And we didn't value each other enough to make sacrifices in order to spend time together. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, where did that lead us? What was the result of that? It was just a dissipated friendship that's, like, sad for me now. <laughs> I didn't love them well. Real relationship must be intentional. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And second, genuine relationships are ongoing. Yeah. 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 Imagine, like, think back to middle school or high school, whatever. Those people that were, like, dating but also on a break every other week. Like, those people were kind of weird. It's like, oh, are you sitting by yourself at lunch? Oh, we're on a break. Like, and then they're holding hands in the hallway two hours later. I don't know. Those people were weird. But, like, imagine that in a marriage where, like, people are only married sometimes. Yeah, gross. We would be sad for those people. That's weird. Yeah. Genuine relationships are ongoing. Yeah, yeah. And they must be intentional. Yeah. John uh, chapter 15 tells us what life is like when we are in an intentional and ongoing relationship with the Lord. Yeah. 
Starting in verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you my friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Uh, Abiding is a word that we don't use on a normal day-to-day basis, right? Like, it's a word that we hear in scripture and we talk about that with our relationship with Jesus. But what does it, like, actually mean? I, for a really long time, just kind of didn't pay attention to it. I thought it was, uh, like, daily sort of being around God kind of thing. Like, the way I would say good morning to my roommate before I went to class. (laughs) The actual definition of abiding is to follow, like, a rule or a recommendation. Or it even goes as far um, just to be, like, tolerant of something. (laughs) And I don't think that that's what Jesus means when he says abide in me. I think what he says here is that the word abiding, it's talking about a restored and redeemed, ongoing, genuine friendship with God. To abide in God means having a restored and redeemed, ongoing, genuine friendship with Him. We like to say that Christianity is a relaxed love relationship with God. And the language that's used in this scripture is super helpful because we can see like a grapevine in our in our brain, right? Yeah. You can picture a grapevine, and if you think about the main parts of a plant, there's the roots, and then there's the vine itself, and then the branches that grow off the vine, and then as the roots supply nutrients to the branches, um, it grows, and the branches take in that nutrients, and then they they will eventually produce grapes, right? And as long as the branches are attached to the grapevine the branches are going to produce grapes. They're not going to produce anything else. And those grapes don't ever have to work or strive to be grapes. Mm. They just are grapes because they're connected to a grapevine. That's why we say that Christianity is a relaxed love relationship with God. We can take this imagery and apply it to our relationship with the Lord. And we know that as long as the branch is attached to the vine, then there will be grapes. Yeah. And the grapes will never have to struggle to be grapes. Yeah. They are just grapes because they're on a grapevine. Yeah. Christianity is a relaxed love relationship with God. And love, by nature, binds itself. Yeah. Yeah. Love, by nature, binds itself. Yeah. If we continue to use the picture of a grapevine, then we can talk about the process of grafting. Mm-hmm. 
And grafting is a technique that gardeners will use to like make two trees into one. Yeah. And it, I don't know, they do it so that the plant grows better. But to put it really simply, you have your main plant, yeah. and that, that plant is called the stalk, and the notch is cut into the side of the stalk plant. Mm -hmm. Then you take a branch from a second plant, and you put it into the notch of the stock plant, and then you wrap them and yeah. bind them tightly together yeah. with like cloth or whatever, and then <laughs> as the branch heals, the two plants press and grow into each other. Yeah. And the secondary branch becomes part of this main plant, and yeah. it lives there forever. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. God wants to graft us into his family like that. Yeah. But that requires us to be bound to him in our love yeah. and press into him. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. The real work of Jesus, his entire life, was just staying in that tight relationship with God yeah. that allowed the spirit and life to flow through him and into the world. Yeah, it's so good. God. Yeah. After talking about dying for like literally months, you might feel <laughs> like you have died to so many things already. It was a lot of work, and sometimes it was really painful, right? Yeah, yeah. But we know that it was worth it because Jesus promises us salvation and new life. Mm -hmm. But we have to stop and ask ourselves, have we been seeking a destination this whole time? Or have we actually been seeking Jesus? And the answer to that question for each of us is going to be really important. Because if you are aiming to seek Jesus, then you need to know that that is going to lead you into a life of sacrifice. Because real relationship with the Lord requires sacrificial love. Yeah. Yeah. We can see this in, in Jesus' life in the yeah. Garden of Gethsemane, right before he gets arrested. We read that Jesus is absolutely distressed, mm-hmm. and he was in prayer so long that his closest friends were falling asleep. Luke's account of this night says, And being in anguish, he prayed all the more earnestly that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Yeah. What? Like, I don't know if you've ever been, like, at the altar in prayer for so long, and you're just, like, weeping with the Lord, and the snot and tears are rolling up your forehead. But this says that Jesus was, like, praying so hard that his sweat was running like blood. Like, that's intense. This is an intense moment where we can see Jesus pressing and leaning into God. And this is the night where he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, Yet not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. Yeah. He did not want to die on a cross. Mm-hmm. But he said, Father, if this is what you're asking of me, then absolutely, yes, I will yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. He lived his whole life prizing the Father above himself, yeah. which is the definition of agape love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agape love is the sacrificial love that compelled him to go through suffering and death for our sake. And it's the same kind of love that he's asking us to give back to him. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes, instead of being like Jesus and our love for the Lord, we're more like Peter. <laughs> yeah. John chapter 21 tells us about this conversation that Jesus and Peter have, where Jesus is asking Peter three different times if he loves him. <laughs> and if you've studied this like even a little bit, you probably know that English sucks. And this makes it difficult to understand what's really happening. Because it sounds like Jesus is just repeating himself. (laughs) What's the point? What Jesus is saying the first two times is, Peter, do you love me with an agape love? He says, Peter, are you prizing me above all other things? Peter says, Jesus, 
you know that I love you with a phileo love. You know that I love you like a friend. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me with an agape love? Like, are you unwilling to do without me? And Peter says, Jesus, you know that I love you like a friend. Yeah. And the whole time, Jesus is saying, Peter, do you love me the way that I love you? And that's a question that Jesus asks us also. Yeah. He asks us, do you love me with a sacrificial agape love? Mm-hmm. Are you prizing me above all other things in your life? And are you unwilling to do without me? Yeah. The Lord deserves all of our time, right? Yeah. Like he deserves genuine relationship with us. Yeah. And he deserves for us to seek him earnestly. We know that. Like, these are things that we sing about, right? Like, we sing about our love for the Lord all the time and how we'll give everything back to him, like, down to the very breath in our lungs. Every single day, we will make sure that the Lord knows how much we love him. We sing that we will do anything to move the Lord's heart. But have we ever stopped and recognized the cost that comes with making these promises to God? Because in order to say yes to that love, We are consequently saying no to something else, even things that might not be bad, right? And it all comes down to what we prize the most. Mm -hmm. Do we value more money on our paychecks over time spent with God? Mm -hmm. Are we unwilling to do without sleep more than we're unwilling to do without the Lord? Is a good grade on our homework more important than an intentional relationship with God? Like, don't... Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to work and that you shouldn't be in school or that you don't need any sleep at all. But if these things are taking precedence in our lives over God, then something must change. And it comes down to what we prize the most. Like, Do you trust God to be willing to wake up early or go to bed late just so that you can spend some more time with him? Can we spend like a little less time doom scrolling on TikTok <laughs> to make space for the Lord to meet with us and give him our full attention? Yeah. Maybe that might sound extreme to you, but just because the Lord is gracious does not mean that we get to slack off in our love and seeking of him. Uh, yeah. 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 That's not the love that he gives us, and that is absolutely not the love that he deserves from us. Yeah. So... What do we do if we realize that we've been jerks to God? Maybe you feel like you haven't been loving the Lord with the love that he deserves. Some of you might be thinking, I don't live these things. Or maybe you feel like God is asking you, are you really prizing me above all other things? Are you actually unwilling to do without me? Mm -hmm. Do you love me? And maybe you don't feel very good about the answer you're able to give him. So, like, where do we go from here? What do we do? The third time that Jesus asks Peter if he loves him, he doesn't use the word agape. He uses the word phileo. He asks Peter twice. Peter, are you prizing me above all other things? And are you unwilling to do without me? And Peter both both times, he says, Jesus, you know that I love you like a friend. Peter, do you love me the way that I love you? Lord, you know that I love you like a friend. But the third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me like a friend? 
And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you like a friend. For a while, I used to think that Peter was a total jerk. Like, you're literally talking to Jesus. He gave you three chances to answer the right way. And you still just, I don't know. But the truth is that Peter was willing to be honest with Jesus in his answer. Yeah. Yeah. And like he knew who Jesus was and he knew the way he was supposed to be loving him. Mm -hmm. That was probably a really humbling moment for Peter. Yeah. Yeah. And I would think that it probably broke Peter's heart to have to respond in the way that he did. Mm -hmm. But he was honest. Yeah. And because of his honesty and humility, Jesus was able to meet him right where he was at. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And the band can come back up. That's good. Um, I think we just need to take some time to be honest with the Lord. We need to ask God if we have really died to our right to be done. We need to stop and ask Him if we are loving him sacrificially, if we're prizing him above all other things in our life, and if he is the thing that we are unwilling to do without. We're going to take some time in prayer to do that, and we're going to ask the Lord to reveal the truth and condition of our, of our heart and our affection towards him. And the really great thing is that no matter where we're at, when we give him humility and honesty, he kneels down next to us, and he is kind and gracious to us. And we know that no matter how we respond, his love for us is going to remain the same. And that's something that is worth rejoicing over. Are we going to seek a destination or are we going to seek Jesus for the rest of our lives? Yeah. Have you died to your right to be done? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And even saying that, we know that the love that we have for you could never be the same as the love that you have for us, Father. But I just pray that we would make it our life's work to give that love back to you. Jesus, you know our hearts. You see every bit of our relationship with you. But Father, um, we aren't as wise in that. And sometimes we think that we have a really awesome relationship with you because we're doing all the things. But Lord, would you just give us your clarity and your wisdom over that, Father. I just pray that you would search our hearts and I pray that you would um, just show us where you are asking more of us. Would you show us the things that we still refuse to let go of, the things that are um, guiding and leading our lives over you, Father. Sometimes it's hard to see what those things actually are. How wonderful and amazing is it that we can we can see that you meet our honesty and our humility, Lord. If we're just willing to, to get close to you, to come and meet with you, Father, we know that, that you're going to be kind and gracious.
and that you're going to invite us into your love no matter what, Lord. It's a really wonderful thing, and I pray that we would never um, be numb to how amazing that is, that that fact would um, just influence every part of our lives, Lord. You are so kind, and you are so gracious to us, and you deserve absolutely everything that you created to be given back to you. Lord, would you just um, lay that on our hearts? Would you search us? Would you show us what's real? And would we see our relationship with you and our life for what it really is, not what we are pretending like it is or not what we are striving for it to be? Would you just show us where we're at? And then would we just do everything that we can to get closer to you, to bind ourselves to you and to give our lives to you because we love you and you deserve every every single piece of our heart.